0: I'm Jason Barmer. This is the Leading Questions podcast. I also post at LeadingQuestions.blog. Same stuff, just in blog format. If you want to visit there, would love to uh, hear any comments that you might have. This is episode five. I was almost finished writing this, um, and I came across the podcast Hidden Brain, the, one of the more recent episodes. If you haven't heard the Hidden Brain podcast, by the way, it's outstanding and. Um, he tells a story about this group in the 1950s called the Seekers led by someone named Dorothy Martin. She determined that aliens were speaking to her and telling her the world's about to be destroyed or flooded, I believe it was. And she and her followers would be rescued by alien spaceships that would come down and rescue them out of this before the catastrophe. So On Christmas Eve, 1954, she and her followers gathered uh, outside her house. It was in Oak Park, Illinois. They were singing Christmas carols and waiting for their pickup. (laughs) So they were actually instructed, apparently, by the aliens to sing Christmas carols while they waited. Now, there were a bunch of people standing around um, to watch them wait out of just pure curiosity. Like, okay, what's going to happen, you know, when... Doesn't happen. Well, they waited for about 20 minutes. And when no one arrived, (laughs) they went back inside. So the crazy part is, if it's not already crazy, is that this was the fourth time that they had done this. And uh, what's very interesting about this is that every time what they expected to happen did not happen, they figured out a way to talk through it and actually strengthen their resolve and believe even harder that this thing is going to happen. While most of us aren't waiting on rooftops for ET to rescue us, we might hold on to our viewpoints in a similar fashion. Even when presented with clear evidence that should result in an honest reassessment, We often double down on our opinion and become even more determined to defend our viewpoint when there's a perceived threat to the way we view a particular situation or an issue. I mean, especially if it's been years of invested attention to the same ideas and the same way of seeing it and the same kinds of voices that support those ideas, it becomes really difficult to consider even the slightest alteration to the accepted viewpoint. There are psychological studies that have shown a tendency for people to do this, to become more entrenched whenever they encounter opposition. Social psychologists call this a boomerang effect, when people become more extreme in their own initial position, when faced with the cognitive dissonance that results from discovering data that's unfavorable to their view. You find out something that is contrary to what you have believed, it seems to really call what you believe into question and in order to deal with the dissonance there, we end up entrenching ourselves even deeper into our idea instead of considering new information. In the card game of blackjack, a player can double down by doubling their bet. And in return, they only get one more card. So I'm not an expert in blackjack. I, don't, I haven't played cards in Vegas, but I do know that you, know, you should never double down in a situation where getting one more card would probably put you over 21, in which case you would bust. A show of confidence in that situation when a player is not in a good position only makes him look foolish when the cards are turned over and the dealer easily wins because you bet even more money on a much lower chance of actually winning. In the arena of ideas, this becomes especially pronounced when there's a more volatile us versus them environment where members maintain an unquestioned, belief in the group's competence and morality, regardless of how valid the critique of the group might be. I think this is a form of self-protection, and I think we're all susceptible to it. It likely has something to do with our primal tendency to feel safer in groups that share our views. So that's, we're likely to see that boomerang effect even in ourselves if we're paying attention. When it does involve a group where we find a lot of safety, We may sink ourselves deeper into a particular viewpoint just as a way to insulate ourselves from potentially relevant facts that threaten that position because we fear what life might look like apart from the safety of our like-minded group. And that fear is much greater than the desire for a more rational viewpoint if left unchecked. So how can we elevate each other to more thoughtful consideration of ideas? Here are a few difficult but effective things that we can do. First, be cautious if your identity with a particular group starts to have a negative influence on how you view other people outside of your group. In other words, watch out for that knee-jerk response when, before you've even considered anything, you just know they're part of that other group. You're a Democrat, you know they're a Republican, and so it's a knee-jerk response. A list of assumptions immediately fill your mind. People are much more nuanced than that. Being part of a social group is an important part of a fulfilled life. Of course, our our social connections have the potential to help us grow mentally, emotionally, and relationally to create a better world. But if allegiance to a group becomes more important than treating others with respect and dignity, then identity with a group starts to become really toxic. I think that's pretty clear in the culture we're in now here in America. Number two, remain open to new information. And, you know, as I talked about before, this is really tough. And we have this tendency to to, to really remain closed off to new information if it contradicts something we already believe. But, you know, even if something threatens an established opinion, when you see a headline for an article that appears to question the basic understanding you have about an issue, you know, do you swipe that away? Because the mental work of questioning your own views is just too exhausting then start making it a regular habit to do that hard work instead of avoiding potentially threatening but valuable input about an issue. Even if you're not swayed, it can serve as a reminder that no viewpoint is completely infallible. And number three, when discussing difficult topics, take a posture of curiosity toward those who hold opinions you do not agree with. I had a previous podcast with my friend Brian, and... um, we joke about this a lot. I talk about it. One of our episodes we did together, I was we were discussing a topic that I actually didn't know what his viewpoint was. In fact, I made an assumption that he believed the opposite, and when I learned what he believed about this viewpoint, which I won't get into the actual topic, I, I was like appalled because I thought it was just an abhorrent way to view life and reality. And I said so, and I was just like, "How could you?" You know. And so instead of coming at it with curiosity and humility? Like, well, how, did, how did you get to this point? Like, what, what brought you to this point? I, I just blew up. And that is often our default. It's really hard. You know, instead of going on the defensive, ask questions about their views, not as a way to corner them, but to understand, you know, what path led you to where you are on this issue? I want to understand. I mean, I, I don't agree with this and I have my reasons, but I mean, something got you to this point. What was it? We can really learn a a lot about each other if we do that. So none of these things are easy to do with consistency. But with practice, I think we can learn to resist the more primal impulses to double down on our ideas, even in a culture that's deeply divided and increasingly committed to dangerous groupthink. Thank you for listening. Uh, If you'd like to join me at leadingquestions.blog, I'll have a post about this there and would love to hear your comments. And uh, I'll be back the next time I'm back.